Hi, everyone. This is Steve Bose from the HR Happy Hour Show. Before we get to today's HR Happy Hour Podcast Network show, I wanted to remind you that you can subscribe to all the shows on the HR Happy Hour Podcast Network. That means We're Only Human, Research on the Rocks, The Human Friendly Workplace, HR Market Watch, and of course, the flagship, the HR Happy Hour Show, just by searching for HR Happy Hour on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy the show. From HR Wins, this is George LaRock. Welcome to another HR Wins Market Watch Future Work Podcast. What would you do if you had $50 million? Well, if you're the team at Greenhouse, you get to answer that question. They recently announced a new $50 million round of venture capital. I just happened to be on site with them on the day that they announced it, so I had a chance to chat with Daniel Chait, the founder and CEO, and his co-founder and president, John Strauss. To put some context around this investment, while we've had a $100 million round in 2018 already, $50 million is no chump change. I mean, the biggest VC investment in all of 2017 was $50 million. And with this investment, Greenhouse has now raised over $100 million in total. So this is a significant later stage round of VC funding. Now, this was a really interesting episode for me personally to put together because we cover so much ground in it. It's got something for both talent and HR leaders, as well as tech vendors. We talk about how recruiting is changing, how these changes are impacting greenhouse customers, how greenhouse is keeping up with the changes. And of course, we get into the investment and, you know, we get insights into how they got to this point and earned this validation, uh, as well as uh, what they plan to do with the investment. We also get into what it's what the differences are between raising early stage VC and later stage VC. It's I found it Really interesting. It's a little bit longer than the usual episode because I've got two guests, two interviews, um, double the fun, double the value. And let's go ahead and get right into it. If you're thinking about new recruiting technology, this is an episode you don't want to miss. Something a little different today. I'm on site here in New York City at Greenhouse. I'm really happy to be with John Strauss, the president and founder of Greenhouse. I've been meeting with John and uh, his co-founder Daniel since 2013 and have watched them uh, grow into the uh, really what, what some would argue is the leading emerging brand in recruiting technology. Uh, they just announced a $50 million uh, additional round of venture capital, which is exciting news. And in line with that announcement, since I'm here, I thought we would spend a few minutes talking about where that money's going to go, what we can expect from Greenhouse, and a little bit about this recurring theme, the future role of the recruiter and how that's changing. So, John, welcome, or you, well, you're welcoming me here, <laughs> well, but welcome to the Market Watch. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for coming by. Yeah. So, $50 million, that's, that's a lot of money. It is. I think it's, it's uh, I think we think it was both a validation for us, but also just for the category overall. I think what we're seeing is more and more companies, light bulbs going on, that recruiting 
is a really big competitive differentiator for them. And we gotta be good at it. And what that means is they're saying we're gonna upgrade how we recruit, yeah. which means you need a whole different set of tools. And so I think we look and say, we, we have a big opportunity in front of us to keep innovating, keep building, and reach a lot more companies. Yeah. So is, does that, um, I, I'm certain you don't have a plan for every dollar yet, but usually there's an idea, you know, buckets as far as where you're going to put sure. the, the investment. What, what can you share with us? Where, what can we expect? I mean, a couple of, obviously, we're, just, we're serving bigger and bigger companies now. And there's a lot of things you have to do to, uh, to keep up with them and, and um, all sorts of different needs you get at 25,000 person companies that you don't have an issue of at one or 5,000 person companies. And so there's a lot of investment around that. Um, keep innovating the product. And you know we're, we're, we'll talk about uh, diversity inclusion. We have a new product that we just launched around that. Okay. We're going to keep working on that and building it out. We have a lot more things that we kind of think through of um, how can we keep innovating within our core recruiting product. Uh, and then just you know expansion. I mean, we've got a growing business overseas, um, outside the U.S., and we want to kind of lean into that a bit. Great. So the good news for talent leaders and HR leaders is that most of what you just talked about was customer-focused and, and product-focused. So, uh, you know, there's a little bit of go-to-market there, but, uh, you know, <laughs> we're not talking about just marketing and sales, you know. Uh, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, and even... The way the world is now, like, you know, I always think best product wins, right? Yeah. And so I think, I think the point is, like, keep innovating. There's a lot of people in the space who are trying, and we feel like um, we've scratched the surface on what we want to do. We think there's so much more. We say with our customers, we realize, oh, we could help them uh, make this make these changes in such a more profound way. There's yeah. a lot lot to do still. Cool. So um, so the changes that you're that, that people are making, what, yeah. you know, a big... I'm really enjoying the conversation with industry leaders like yourself around what what is changing, how is it changing, and you know what do we think that's going to look like? But you know, based on real experience with your customers and such. Yeah. So, what are those changes? You mentioned diversity and inclusion. Yeah. Uh, you know, is that changing things in, in the in the market? Yeah, I mean, what we're seeing, I mean, for that specifically, is that both in the media climate and then just inside of companies, like the amount of pressure, like grassroots pressure from employees pushing their execs to say, what are we doing, right? We're looking around, we can see in the company that uh, the company isn't as diverse as it probably should be, or the executive team isn't as diverse as it should be. We need to do stuff. And I think those exec teams are turning to their HR leadership, especially recruiting leadership and saying, so what are we doing? And the recruiting team is looking at us saying, help us measure what's happening. Help us understand what we can do better. Um, the, the unique thing that we think we have is that so many recruiting behaviors happen inside of our product, whether it's preparing for an interview or filling out a scorecard or referring a friend, that uh, the ability to like combat unconscious bias systematically, not through like a one-time training, but systematically, day by day, in every interaction, to nudge people or hide data um, is a unique opportunity. And so we're kind of pursuing that pretty aggressively yeah. to, to try to answer that problem because we're seeing people, it's not just the most forward-thinking companies that you hear about in the press. It's like, Every company is saying, we're all feeling this pressure. Hmm. What can we do about it? That's a good thing. That's a really good thing. When I was at, um, a couple of months ago, you had the big customer event, Greenhouse Open. Mm -hmm. And I sat in on uh, a session you ran with the product team mm -hmm. around the new, at that point it was just being announced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The DNI product coming yeah. out. What I liked about it was how um, it was it was really integrated into 
the flow. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't this separate box that yeah. uh, just, you know, that, that checked on diversity and inclusion. Yeah. So yeah. can you drill in a little, like, can, in, a, in a simple way so that folks listening can understand, like, yeah. what, what does that mean, you know, being in the day-to-day? Yeah, I mean, I think it, if it was some separate experience, and it's like you do your work over here, and then if you say, oh, but to combat bias, I have to log into some other tool, it's kind of unrealistic. Right. Yep. So, for example, I'm going to give a really small one. It's like you go to interview someone. If you can see that they were referred by the CEO, you're going to treat them differently. So in that moment, we're going to actually hide that information from you. Um, when you go to, uh, say, fill out a scorecard and yep. it says like, oh, I, you know, collaboration, collaborative is one of the things we're looking for. And you say, yes, they're collaborative. There's like a little extra thing that says, please explain why you said that. And it's required. It's a really subtle little change has a profound impact actually in how you interview. Right. What you realize is people take shortcuts all the time and they don't actually like, um, they just say, I like the person, so I'll give them yes for everything. Okay. And when forced to actually defend why they're saying what they're saying, you have to think about it a lot more. And that's where you're able to like confront that unconscious bias yep. and actually like be explicit about why you're saying what you're saying. Those little tweaks actually can have a huge effect. Well, that's how you change behavior, right? It's, that's, that's right. It's with that's little, it's it's all the little things. That's right. And so that's what we're. I mean, we didn't make this stuff up. We went and worked with like world experts from universities and consultants and practitioners in the field, and said, "What's the evidence-based research? What's the peer-reviewed stuff that will tell us like here's what works in the lab? How do we scale that up in our product?" Mm-hmm. So it's pretty exciting stuff. So it's not like in beta. We've got a handful of customers on it, and we're learning a lot. Yeah. Are you seeing? Um, well, you've given a, a little example, but how? In the customers in beta, would you yeah. say that you know the recruiter has this has this impacted how the recruiter views you know them their their part in the process at all? Or uh, I mean, I guess I'd say the the companies we're working with first are probably more on the like, forward thinking side. They're already doing a bunch of things. Okay, okay. And so there's and so the way they think about it is like, sure, we did unconscious bias training, and that was helpful, and everybody learned, and everybody said, God, that was really great. But I don't have high confidence that like. It actually took effect six months later. Okay. And now they're like, oh, now it basically like takes that investment I already made and ensures that it's actually going to happen because yep. now it's being reinforced on a day to day basis. So, but again, like it's meant to be a really subtle thing. It's mm-hmm. not it creates a bunch of extra work for you or removes some work you were doing. It's more like little subtle behavior changes. Right. So you mentioned something earlier that is really interesting to me that. Uh, uh, customers and employers are now looking at recruiting as a competitive, you know, strategic asset differentiator. Um, there's there's always been a lot of lip service to people are our biggest asset. It's the biggest you know line item in the budget and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but what's what's different now? Um, yeah. What what's bringing them to you looking to and and and, and what are the changes that they're looking for? Sure. I mean, I think ultimately, like the cost of failing has gotten high enough that people are realizing, like, with a CEO down, the biggest risk factor in our plan for the next two years is can we get the right talent? Hmm. And whether it's I can't fill the seats, or I'm getting the wrong people, or they're not staying, like those are profound challenges. You talk to any CEO or COO and say, "What are your top three challenges?" And they're always going to say some version of people are recruiting, right? Mm-hmm. And so what they and so obviously people have different levels of sophistication when they come to us but the typical things we hear are something like one like I need to find the best find the best people and attract them and convince them to come two is like I need to create a great end experience which which might be about the candidate 
But importantly, it's actually more frequently it's about the intern, right? As a recruiter, I'm saying, like, I need to get my hiring managers and my interviewers to like play along and play their part, and I can't. Help okay. me with that. From a candidate perspective, they're like, yeah, we're embarrassing ourselves with their glass door page. Like, help me make sure that I'm winning every touch point. Okay. Of which there's dozens throughout the process. Right, right, right. right. Um, third is maybe, specifically what we talked about around the interview process, is like, yeah, it's in most companies, it's a disaster. As much as you say, like, oh, I didn't get, recruiting is the most, people are the most important thing. Like, we've all sat in these interviews where people ask duplicative, illegal, irrelevant questions. Mm-hmm. That's pretty standard, right? Right, right. And people are saying, like, yeah, that's not clear enough anymore. And on top of that, you have to be more fair. And then maybe the fourth one is around, like, the idea of, I want to have the same operational rigor in recruiting that I have in the rest of my org. So the same things I asked my sales team, where I say, I want to see a pipeline report, I want to see prediction, I need predictability. If we're going to miss our number, I need to know. You're saying the same thing to the recruiting team. And saying, if you're not going to fill the roles we're supposed to fill by the end of the quarter, we're in big trouble. Right, right. And so something that creates a whole new requirement on the recruiting team, um, where it feels like people used to kind of get away with not being that data-driven. They're like, yeah, we're doing our best. And now it's like, no, I need like predictability out of you. Hmm. And so um, how does... How does the tech fill that particular void? I think so uh, in a number of ways. I mean, you're saying like, how do you start to produce data that lets you be predictable? And there's a lot of pieces to that, right? So like there's one, like we're working on stuff around using machine learning to make predictions, right? You look at a given job and say for the people who are in the job and all the information we know about those candidates and what stage they're at and where they came from and all these things, we'll make a prediction and say, we think that role is going to get filled on September 1st. That's pretty helpful, right? Yeah. Most companies we talk to, it's huge. We say, "How do you do that today?" And they go, "Well, you know, just kind of shrug my shoulders yeah. and say, I think we're on track.'" Yeah. The finance team says, "No, they're not," and moves it back two weeks, right? Yeah. Um, so like, that's a pretty neat use of, of machine learning. Um, but beyond that, it's like, how do I make data a day-to-day part of how we work? How do we make it part of the regular cadence? And what do I look at every time as a recruiting manager I sit down with a recruiter and we have a one-on-one? What's the data I look at to evaluate her performance and hold her accountable? On a quarterly basis, what of me had a recruiting provided the exact team to say, here's how we're doing. Here's how you should be measuring me. Right. It's an amazing amount of companies who don't do that. Right, right. And they say, ah, oh, next quarter we're going to do a data project. It's like, that's not good enough anymore. Okay. And so I think we look at it from our perspective at Greenhouse and say, it's our job to equip people to be able to do that, to be able to produce those reports and have them out there regularly or have it be more integrated in how you work. So when you go to that dashboard, it pops up, red light, this job is way behind based on your current pipeline. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. I think the uh, that th- there's a lot of talk in the market about, uh, and you mentioned it. You know, the candidate experience and engaging candidates. That's clearly important here. Yeah. Uh, but one thing that uh, I find really interesting is that internal component. You know, yeah. the 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 hiring the the internal customer, the hiring yeah. manager, understanding, yeah. you know, where the resources are, and yeah. and it it allows the recruiting function, the HR function to, to, uh, to be more of a business partner, to be more of a consultant in the process. Yeah, I mean, we talked to so many people who say like, as a recruiter, like 50% of my time is spent answering questions like, what's going on with this job? What's going on with this candidate? Yeah. And when I could turn around and say, no, actually like, you can self-serve and figure that out yourself. Now we're like just a partner saying, how do we make this higher? Versus me just playing defense. I'm like, here's why we're so behind. Yeah. And so that's, 
hopefully a huge positive change. Yeah. So I know you've got a lot of that built into the product today, but to tie it all together, yeah. these are the areas that as, as you're thinking about, you know, where do we go with this product as, as you're, you're working with, uh, you know, more and more larger companies uh, and supporting your, you know, the yeah. entire market. Yeah. These are the things that, that we're expecting to see more of around DNI, diversity and inclusion, yeah. and uh, how to leverage data to yeah. uh, to help the recruiter yeah. Yeah. Uh, provide a better experience internally for their stakeholders. That's right, and, and I think that in the last one that we've we've always done, and I think it becomes more and more important the bigger the company is, is this notion of how do you have a small central group orchestrate everybody else's behavior. Hmm. It's hard, like to say from a candidate experience perspective, I want to make sure every touch point is right across a you know twenty thousand person organization across the world. It's really hard to have that consistency of how do we communicate as a company? Yeah. How do we make sure that Canada is a good experience? So we look at ourselves and say, how do we equip folk, like a small group at the center, to say we're going to orchestrate how people interview, how we communicate about ourselves on, on our website, how we email candidates, how we make offers, like each of those touch points yeah. um, that's on us to like help, help empower people to do, which gets more important the bigger the company is. Wow. That's a really interesting challenge, being centralized or even, you know, no matter how you're structured, just, it, you know, impacting a large number of people and their behavior to play their role. You got it. Uh, that's, I can't, can't wait to see how you're going to tackle that. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Great. Well, I could, I could talk to you about this all day. Uh, and, uh, but, but we don't have all day. Uh, I do want to point one thing out, though. This is a, uh, this might be a record, and it's a good thing. We spoke about the market. We talked yeah. about challenges. We talked about solving problems. And it was the 10-minute mark before you used an actual uh, buzzword, machine learning. I know. Learning. Well, yeah. That's awesome. They, they, they That's told it. me, got to get, gotta get one in. <laughs> it's really not That's my thing. But I had to get one in, yeah. All right. Very <laughs> good. Okay. Well, th- thanks. thanks for letting me do this here today. Thank you. All right. All right. Daniel Chait is CEO and co-founder of Greenhouse. Greenhouse is a recruiting platform that handles the entire recruiting process. Now, uh, many would argue argue that they are the emerging recruiting technology leader uh, for companies of all sizes, uh, both the middle market and large enterprise. Uh, So, uh, there's been big news at Greenhouse. They just announced another $50 million round of venture capital. Uh, very exciting. And uh, a little background, I've been talking to Daniel and his co-founder, uh, John, at Greenhouse and uh, about their plans for about five years now. And it's been uh, really interesting to watch them execute and deliver against those plans. Uh, I thought this would be a great opportunity to check in and see where the company's headed now. Welcome, Daniel. Thanks, George. Great to be here. Uh, anything you know, that I left out about yourself or uh, about Greenhouse that you'd like folks to know at a high level? No, I mean, I think you, I think you got it. Um, obviously, I'm happy to talk about myself all day, but uh, I think uh, let's get into the, yeah, let's get into the news and uh, the sort of what's happening around the uh, around the industry. All right, terrific. Well, let's start with you. So, you know, congrats again on the funding, um, and you. you know. The, the, the typical question on that everybody asks about funding is, you know, where, what are you going to do with it? But I thought, uh, and we'll get there, but uh, I thought let's step back and, you know, this, this, we always say this is validating, right? And um, let's dig into what that means. I mean, there, there must've been some milestones or successes uh, that 
allowed you to pursue this round or that your investors uh, felt, um, you know, got you here? So, so what, what got you, what kind of milestones got you to this point? Yeah, I think it's probably two kinds of things. I think the first thing is what's your position within your market? And, you know, investors want to bet on the winner or what they perceive is, is likely to be the winner in a market. They don't, they don't imagine that they're going to invest in like two or three or four companies in the recruiting software industry. So first, firstly is like, you know, sort of being seen as a breakout company within your space is a key thing that, that investors look for. And so what is your growth rate and are you succeeding with like the types of companies that are, you know, sort of on the cutting edge and that are sort of representing the future and where the market is headed. And I think we can really good job of that. Um, and then I think the other is they look at sort of the future, like where is it headed and they believe in your strategy and sort of your ability to get there. And for us, you know, one thing that's been uh, an ongoing effort for many years is we continue to just handle more and more complex situations, uh, more types of recruiting challenges for larger companies and, and more globally. And so seeing us succeed in kind of handling larger companies and bigger enterprises and more global businesses was a really good indicator, I think, to the investors that like we are poised to capture a large market share and to really serve a valuable need. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, w- would you say that um, along with that sort of market position and, uh, you know, leadership position, uh, everybody's always really, you know, curious about, um, you know, are there specific metrics that, that, that align? Is it, is it, uh, how much of it is sales versus product versus team? And we don't need to get into you know, your yeah. specific milestones, your, your, your privately held company. Um, but is, uh, you know, is it while there's the, the winner and being the winner and that emerging leader, um, what, what, how would you tell the other vendors in the space, um, you know, the, what metrics are, are investors right. most keenly at? Sure. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's a little bit of art and it's a little bit of science, right? I mean, obviously, investors like to see revenue growth. Um, And, uh, you know, at the stage of company that we're at, there's a lot of actual data behind that. In the early days when we were just getting started and we raised money in 2013, 2014, it was kind of like, oh, nice looking product, good looking team, seems like a big opportunity. Um, But there wasn't a whole lot of of numbers and data. Nowadays, like if you're going to write a $50 million check, you're looking at a lot of information. So not just top line revenue growth, although they want to see, are you growing fast enough to really be able to capture the opportunity size uh, where we're headed or, or are you effectively going to plateau soon? But beyond that, what they want to know are things like, are you growing efficiently? Um, are you just like pouring VC money down a hole and growing, but, but not ever going to be profitable or it's never going to work or it's, you know, it's sort of not sustainable. And so they want to make sure that we're growing efficiently. Um, They want to look at what kinds of companies and what kinds of customers we're winning with. Is this just a niche thing? I think early on, because we had a lot of success in Silicon Valley, some investors wondered, is Greenhouse really just like for the cool kids or is this something broadly applicable? But now they look at sort of the types of customers and, you know, we have customers in financial services, we have customers in insurance and we have customers in retail and packaged goods and, and, and these other sort of, sort of more mainstream industries. Um, and then I think the other is they look at, at competitive information. They look at sort of when a customer joins Greenhouse, what choices are they making? What does that say about, about their view of the market? You know, are they, are they comparing us against, you know, other market leaders and, and choosing to go to Greenhouse 
when they leave us, like what are the reasons why they leave us when, when they come to us, like who are they coming from and what are those reasons? And what does that tell you about sort of the future? So right. those are some of the sort of data that I think drive these investor decisions. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I get that question a lot uh, and I, uh, yeah. I struggle with it because as you said, there's art and science and, uh, especially for the earlier stage startups, it's a, it's a tough one to answer. So thanks for your insights on that. So, so given all that, given, given your position in the market, given what, uh, what you're looking, what, what you see in the market um, and what your investors have, have sort of, uh, um, you know, more than doubled down on you here with validation. Um, what are the, what are the high level goals that you have for Greenhouse and the, uh, the company and, 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 and or product? Yep. Um, so, you know, for, first of all is, you know, we see ourselves as, as kind of like serving the needs of companies in a very rapidly changing world of talent. And so we think about, hey, like the world we're in, talent has ascended from being kind of like a cog in the wheel to being like the primary driver of company value. People are very independent and able to create value on their own outside of the corporate environment. And so companies have to respond to that by really competing and winning for talent in very different ways. And so at a high level, like the North Star that we always use is like, are we helping our customers do the things they need to do to compete and win in that new world? And with additional resources, it helps us apply sort of R&D and services and thinking towards being better at solving that problem. Um, I think the other type of things that we do is we think about what is the breadth of that problem? And when we started, we launched an APS, uh, which was, which customers viewed as, as better than the other offerings and, and, and let us capture some sort of market share. But now we've really broadened out and solved a wider range of their problems. So, you know, we solved the top of funnel, you know, kind of workflow issues with CRM and sort of prospecting and, and, and recruiting at, at events and these things um, further down the funnel with greenhouse onboarding. And then of course, earlier this year, we launched greenhouse inclusion, which is really meant to help companies uh, overcome implicit bias and, 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 and build stronger and more diverse teams. And so we always think about as well, like, what are the next most important problems and how are we positioned uniquely to try to capture and solve those? Yep. Yeah. So, uh, so and, it sounds and, like, and so obviously like, oh. no, ju ju just, to, just to pick up on that. So like, those are all very well and good, but you know, they take money <laughs> they take resources. Um, and so in a business like ours, where you, know, you have to fund growth, you have to fund new customer acquisition, you have to fund R and D, well ahead of when that turns into like a profitable, you know, so cash cow, having the ability to continue to raise money is predicated on a certain growth rate. You have to have an existing successful business that investors can fund so that you can then earn the right in a sense, kind of do new things. So we, we definitely try to mind the knitting and make sure that we're doing the things we're already doing really well so that we sort of earn the right to try to take on new things. Right. Right. So uh, what's really interesting about that answer is it was, it was largely focused on the customer and the, you know, a, a, as a marketplace and, uh, and the product and delivering, um, you know, mm. while, you know, the, the end of the answer was, was focused on, you know, the growth and the scale um, of the business, I should say, the, the, the meat of the answer was around the scale of the product and, and how you, can support the customer, which uh, is really refreshing because I usually get it the other way around. Um, you know, it's, it's all about, uh, you know, driving the growth with, and the, the second thought is, you know, via the customer. Um, and is that, right. 
is that, you know, you guys have been emerging into the, the larger enterprise market um, while continuing to support your middle market customers. Um, is, is that, you know, what came first, the, the focus, the relentless focus on delivering uh, or, uh, you know, the, um, the, you know, the, the drive to grow the business? Did, you know, where did you start? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think you have to start with, with, with delivering. I mean, you, you know, growth is great, but growth for its own sake can lead you to some very bad decisions and some very bad, bad places. Um, and I think it's really, you know, it's really challenging, especially as a venture backed company, you know, to get that right. Because look, when you, when you raise a round of funding, like it's very exciting. There's a lot of headlines, like everyone, you know, starts emailing you, congratulations. You get a thing in TechCrunch. Like it's very sort of flashy. Um, and many entrepreneurs mistake that noise for sort of the, the result. And they think, oh, good, I'm a validated as an entrepreneur, I'm successful, or this is a good outcome because I was able to raise us in such amount of money at this really flashy valuation. And when you think that way, I think it's really a dangerous trap. Uh, you have to do stuff that matters to customers and is, and, is, and is valuable. And you know that because they're buying it in, in you know, in, 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 in high numbers. And if you can't sell it to them, well, then, then that's a great signal that you're not succeeding. But you have to start the other, you have to start the other way. You have to think about what are the valuable things in the world that we can be doing and, and how do we do those things best? And then growth comes from that. Um, it's not to minimize the business. I mean, I don't turn my nose down at money. I like making money and growing the business as much as the next guy. Um, but I just think it's, I just think it's, it's kind of backwards to think about these sort of external metrics and some artificial growth rate as the sort of purpose of the business. It's really, it's really an outcome of running a good business and doing good things. Yeah. I, I think a lot of, uh, folks listening are going to be happy to hear you say that. Um, you know, and I, I talk a lot about, um, uh, scale and, uh, being able to meet the needs of, the larger enterprise market, because there, there are a lot of folks in, in a variety of segments that, you know, entered the market uh, in the middle and are now moving upstream. And it's not just a talent acquisition mm -hmm. thing. And um, I, I think they uh, underestimate um, the patience and uh, the sort of deliberate focus you have to have on the product um, right. and on delivering in order to really achieve that growth. And it's, it's easy to go out and over promise and under deliver. Um, and there are plenty of folks that do that. Uh, but they tend to, um, you know, not be the folks I'm talking about five years later uh, is, is what, what ends up happening. But okay, so moving on. Um, and I really appreciate all your uh, transparency on, on all of that. Uh, so now you know, you've got the funding, we understand what drives greenhouse and uh, how you know, what your goals are based on. Um, uh, you know, I'm assuming that your your product, uh, you know, the future of the product maps to that. And you, you referenced a little bit of it um, earlier, um, but you know things are are changing so rapidly. Um, what are those? What are the changes impacting the customers? If you can drill in on that just a little bit more, and then sure. what are uh, the changes that the customers are making that you're helping them with? I don't know if that you know trying yeah. to get at like the future of the role. Right. Yep. No, I think that's, I think that's where we, we, we really spend a lot of our time thinking. And, you know, the changes that we're seeing and that we're focused on, you can obviously think about it a lot of different ways. The way we think about it is this, is like, you know, in a world where 
competition for talent is increasingly one of the most important things to any company and where, uh, and where it's increasingly competitive and, and, and difficult to do, companies are really needing to fundamentally reorganize how they hire and how they recruit. And recruiting is being elevated from this kind of um, administrative, kind of reactive little department to something that's just not only strategic and, and more forward-looking, but really an, an organization-wide responsibility, really a company-wide responsibility. And so when, when companies go through that transformation, they're like, okay, we're going to be a company that is winning for talent, that is great at hiring. It's not just that I'm going to put a recruiter in the corner and like hope that person does the job well um, and, and not pay too much mind. What that means is then they, they try to develop or they find the need to develop all these new capabilities. There's things that HR and talent acquisition are trying to do these days that they didn't used to. For example, HR is now in the experiences game, right? right. It right. used to be right. that, you know, you were processing like resumes that came in over the mail and you'd open them up and sort of call a few back and you'd make a few hires. But now you need to be out there impressing the right people to notice you. And you need to be out there telling your story to the people who may not be looking for you. And you need to be able to um, impress the other stakeholders within your organization, because if the head of sales or the traders or the engineers or whomever you face off against in the business aren't impressed with what you're doing, don't feel like you're adding value, don't see you as a real partner, then they're going to not, then they're not going to bother. They're going to go around you. They're going to hire their own staffing firm or they're going to do their own thing. And you lose out on the opportunity to create value. So HR being the experiences game is like a huge new transformation. Um, and there's a few others. I mean, HR is now in the data business um, and analytics business. Um, HR is now in the kind of organizational design and decision-making game where like your ability to choose between the right candidates is a huge you know, distinguishing factor in your ability to hire. And so yeah. all those changes are happening in a world where, you know, in a lot of companies, the people, the people making up the people department came in in the administrative world and are really grappling with that change. So we spend a lot of time talking to leaders, not only within HR and recruiting, but within the business and saying, what is it that you guys all should collectively be doing and how should you expect it to work better? Because it's not interesting anymore to say to, to a company, talent should be a big priority for you. Like everybody knows talent's a big priority for them. And right. it's even not interesting to say, geez, recruiting is really hard and you're really struggling and everything is broken. Like they know that also. The thing that's missing and the thing that we really are focused on is helping them like, okay, given that, what are we supposed to be doing about it? And, you know, the good examples are few and far between enough that I think there's real value we're bringing by just helping people sort of more intelligently, like come to the conclusions of what they should be doing and then, and then put that into, into practice. Yeah. And it, I, I know, you know, in this uh, podcast, we, we've got um, your co-founder, John Strauss, and he, he talked a little bit uh, when I uh, interviewed him about uh, how a lot of that comes down to the day-to-day -day things, right? So you talk about the experience game. Um, it's not, it's, it, yes, it's the candidate experience, but it's, you know, there, there's another customer, which is the hiring team. It's their experience. Yep. Uh, and it's yep. all of the little things, right? And it's how you've built that in your DNI product and how you've built it in um, your standard workflows and your interview guides and scorecards, et cetera, et cetera. Um, all of these little things. Um, and there's, there's some, some really interesting technology behind that. Um, 
I know you guys are working with all of the, you know, you can drop as many buzzwords as the next vendor. But another thing I appreciate is we just had this really interesting conversation. You didn't use one buzzword. And I, I gave John a, a, a kudo because he went 10 minutes and only used one buzzword. Um, <laughs> yeah, so. I was going to take issue actually with that. I don't think we can drop, drop as many buzzwords as the next vendor. Oh, <laughs> I think okay. that's, uh, I don't, I don't think we're very good at that. I think we, uh, I, I sort of have an allergy to jargon and, and buzzwords and, and fads and these things. I think like you need to look past that and think where's, where's the world headed over the period of years and decades and, and what can we be doing that's meaningful in that. And, you know, it's, it's, it takes a little bit of focus when, you know, other folks get headlines around, you know, Hey, like we're recruiting on the blockchain or we've got like a drone strategy and greenhouse is kind of just yeah. doing the boring stuff of like, we're going to help you actually win for talent. And that means like doing a lot of stuff all throughout the organization. It takes focus and, and energy and discipline. It's like, it's not the most rah-rah thing in the world, but if you do it every day for years and years, you end up in a very different place, I think. And so that's our, that's our take on buzzwords. Yeah. Well, now that, you've got this, now that you've got this funding, I think that the drone strategy you mentioned, I think that's the one you should focus on. The, the recruiting <laughs> right, drone. Put it all on drone. Yeah. All there right. you go. There I'll, you I'll, go. I'll take that up at the next board meeting and see how far it gets. <laughs> uh, it's, it's always a lot of fun uh, talking with you. Um, uh, I, I could chat for an hour, but we, th- this isn't the format for that. Um, so uh, I'm going to, uh, I think there's a lot of value packed into this conversation. Thank you so much for your time. A um, couple of last words, uh, is, you know, where can folks find Greenhouse and any events or anything coming up that um, you'd like people to be aware of? Yeah, so, uh, you know, definitely go to our website, www.greenhouse.io. You can see tons of resources. We've got eBooks and best practices, tips and tricks. Uh, we've got a great blog. You can actually go into our help center and you can read over a thousand articles about our product. So if you're trying to evaluate it That's from cool. a user standpoint, you can read a lot there. Um, our Twitter feed, uh, it was at Greenhouse, uh, is always chock full of like kind of the latest stories of the day and the news and what's going on there. So, um, you know, we try to really help uh, in those ways. As far as events, um, check out in the fall, starting in September, we're going to be doing a road show in several cities around the U.S. And so you'll see that coming live on our website shortly. And uh, we're looking to get out there and interact with people all over the country. Great. Great. Well, thanks again for your time. This was, uh, it's always, always fun to talk to you. Likewise. Thanks, George. Appreciate the time. All right. Take care. I want to again thank my guests, Daniel Chait and John Strauss from Greenhouse for sharing so much insight and perspective about recruiting and Greenhouse and venture capital and what it's like to raise it. Uh, I would just like to remind you that if you're doing something interesting in HR or HR technology, whether you're an employer or a tech vendor, I would love to have you on as my guest on the HR Market Watch podcast. How? Just email me at hrmw, that's hrm like market, w like watch, at hrwins.com. We'll start the conversation there. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great day.